I'm Nuria Martinez Keel. And I'm Kayla Branch. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. This week, a shakeup of the state's top school board drew significant public scrutiny to Governor Kevin Stitt. And certain unemployment benefits will end soon. How many Oklahomans will be impacted? who covers education for the Oklahoman is going to walk us through the whirlwind of changes that recently took place on Oklahoma's State Board of Education. So on December 5th, Governor Kevin Stitt abruptly removed one of his own appointees to the State Board of Education, Kurt Bolenbach, and Stitt planned to replace him with the nomination of Melissa Crabtree. So Nuria, what can you tell us about these two people? Yeah, so Kurt Bullenbach was, like you said, one of his own appointees from last year. Um, got the governor basically appointed or reappointed the entire board. And the only person he hasn't appointed on this board is state school superintendent Joy Hoffmeister, and that's because she's an elected official. So uh, Governor Stitt got to choose every member of this board, and Kurt Bollenbach was one of those selected members. Um, just from covering him for the past year and a half, you know, he seems to be an engaged member of the board. The board seems to work pretty cohesively um, with the department and, and with each other. And uh, Kurt Bollenbach, you know, he could be uh, opinionated on some things, but um, in a way that seemed to um, contribute to the board like like the rest of the members. Um, and then as far as Melissa Crabtree, um, she was quite a surprise pick. Um, a lot of people didn't anticipate the governor removing Kurt Bollenbach. Um, and then Another part of the surprise was who he chose to replace him with. Um, Melissa Crabtree um, took instant criticism from the public uh, for sharing and, and advocating against mask mandates in her hometown of Enid. She is a founder of a group called the Enid Freedom Fighters, who led a recall campaign against an Enid city councilman who was voting and supporting stricter COVID measures, um, while this group has advocated against mask mandates in Enid. Um, And she's also shared uh, a lot of misinformation, a lot of debunked medical theories about COVID-19. And so a lot of people were criticizing the things she was sharing on her Facebook and social media, which she turned to private um, very quickly uh, on Friday after the news started circulating of her appointment. Um, so it was a little bit of, of a two-part uh, surprise for everybody. One, that Kurt Bullenbach was being removed. It was a surprise for Kurt Bullenbach as well. I, I emailed him and, and um, you know, had a little bit of back and forth with him just asking, you know, did you expect this to happen? Did you foresee this at all? And he said, no, I, I wish I could have finished my term, which which would end in uh, April 2023, um, and you know he said he didn't foresee this happening, but he, you know, said he was grateful for the opportunity to serve on the state board and respected the governor's authority to add and remove members as he sees fit. Yeah, and I want to touch back on the surprise, but I want to ask. What kind of folks do we see on the board as a whole in terms of their occupations? I mean, are a lot of them teachers or what kind of jobs do we expect folks to have when they serve on this board? 
You know, it's an interesting mix. Um, Kurt Bullenbach is a former attorney, and he uh, is a manager of a oil and gas exploration company. He's from Kingfisher, and the uh, part of Oklahoma that he represents is west and northwest Oklahoma. Um, so y- you wouldn't think, you know, that he has a certain background, but I think a lot of people had respect for him and that he was engaged. Um, You know, after he was removed, a lot of Democrats in the state legislature said that they uh, thought he was an ally in terms of supporting public education. Um, And he, you know, it seemed to be an issue that mattered a lot to him and that he wanted to improve. Um, Other members of the board do have more of an education background, um, like Carlisha Williams Bradley from Tulsa. She has run uh, charter schools and she has a strong education background. One board member is the mayor of Claremore, Oklahoma. Um, Jennifer Money's Uh, She's also been on a board for John Rex Elementary School. Um, So, you know, not all of them have been teachers per se, um, but all of them seem to um, care about public education and, and want to be engaged in the process of overseeing Oklahoma's public schools. Yeah. And what about Melissa Crabtree? I know uh, another one of her criticisms was just the short amount of time that she had been involved in public education. Yeah. Melissa Crabtree um, was a public school special education teacher from 1998 to 2002 in Tennessee. So she wasn't a teacher in Oklahoma, although she was a public school teacher um, about 20 years ago now. Um, She has homeschooled her children, and I think that was one of the questions that people had about her, um, among her, her many Facebook posts, she, she seemed in one Facebook post to indicate that she was proud of pulling her kids out of public school. So I think there was a question that some people had as to whether she held the public school system in high regard um, and whether that would make her a good fit for the board is, is if this was something that she felt passionate about. Obviously, she, she seems to be passionate about educating because she educates her own kids. Um, but uh, I think that was a, a question, um, you know, her experience. But to, to be fair to her, not everybody on the state board has been a teacher from, from my understanding. I'd have to go back and read over each and every one of their bios. But Kurt Bowen I don't think has been a public school teacher either. Um, But in terms of, is this an issue? Is this something that you care deeply about? That seems to be a a really important factor uh, on on you being on this board. Definitely. Okay. So back to the surprise of the situation. Uh, It was even a surprise to nominee Crabtree, who I think on one of her Facebook posts kind of said, I didn't know this was going to be happening, but I'm excited. So but as people do when things happen in in a surprising way, they come up with their own theories. So walk us through some of the guesses that people are making as to why Stitt would abruptly remove Bullenbach and appoint someone new. 
So uh, it's interesting because you're right. It, it, it does just kind of come down to theories because the governor hasn't said why he removed Kurt Bolenbach. Kurt Bolenbach himself says he doesn't know why this happened. Um, so I think w- among lawmakers and among the people in the uh, education sphere in Oklahoma believe that uh, Bolenbach may have uh, somewhat strayed away from the governor line of thinking on on a very particular issue. Um, And uh, all of this is sort of conjecture that people are making. But uh, recently, um, Bolenbach was a big proponent of obtaining an attorney general's opinion on whether religious private schools, um, basically, what types of discrimination are they allowed to get away with without uh, having state funds yanked away from them. Um, So the attorney general, uh, for a little bit of context, um, what's in state law is that um, for uh, state-funded scholarships to private schools, um, the private schools that receive those scholarships cannot discriminate against students um, based on race, color, or national origin. That's what's in state law. Now, the last year, the Oklahoma State Department of Education made a rule adding more forms of discrimination that would basically cause private schools to not get state funds. And some of those additional protected classes would have been sexual orientation. So if a private school tried to deny entrance to a student because they're gay or um, disability, if if a private school said, no, you can't come here because of a certain disability that you have, um, age, sex, um, uh, status as a parent, the, the, the state Department of Education wanted to add these um, as uh, protected groups that you cannot discriminate against if you want to get a, a, a scholarship to pay for a student's tuition to go to your school. Um, Kurt Bolenbach was a big supporter of getting an attorney general's opinion on this, and the attorney general said the State Department had no authority to add these protected classes, um, and that just the three that were outlined in state law are the only anti-discrimination policies that are allowed to be enforced, race, color, national origin. Um, The prevailing theory seems to be that... um, just to give some context again, the governor called this a big win. He, he said this was a big win for religious freedom and for school choice, for parents to choose where they want to send their kids to school. And um, so the prevailing theory is that Bolenbach, you know, pushing for the department to get an attorney general's opinion um, just seemed to clash with the governor somehow, and, and that might have led to his removal. Um, but again, you know, nobody has said on the record for sure what led to this happening. So that's why people are kind of, um, you know, having to have conjecture on this. Right. And I think I, another rumor, again, just rumors, just theories that I've heard was that uh, you know, Bolenbach supported a mask mandate in all of Oklahoma's schools and Governor Kevin Stitt, uh, while 
asking Oklahomans and encouraging Oklahomans to wear a mask has been very staunch that he will not require uh, anyone to wear a mask. And um, the State Board of Education, if I'm correct, has tried and failed two times to institute a mask mandate for schools statewide. And Bolenbach was in support of that. And like you mentioned earlier, uh, the the potential nominee, Melissa Crabtree, she is what folks have been calling an anti-masker. She's against mask ordinances. So what have you heard on on that rumor front about why the switch may have happened? You know, I haven't heard a lot. Most of what people seem to think this uh, came from was the attorney general's opinion. But you're right that um, the mask issue came to the forefront. And I think a lot of that is because Melissa Crabtree is so outwardly against mask mandates. She she made many Facebook posts. I, I reviewed them myself before she turned her Facebook private. It, it was seemed like almost every post on her Facebook was something against masks, whether questioning the efficacy of masks, saying that, you know, maybe they don't work like the government says they do, um, or, you know, just uh, that she she was just so against them. And Kurt Bolenbach was one of three people on the State Board of Education who voted to mandate masks. There was that juxtaposition there. Um, so it was interesting to see that contrast. Um, so like you said, um, the State Board of Education has voted um, and denied um, a mandate for masks in schools. Um, Joy Hoffmeister, Carlisha Williams-Bradley, and Kurt Bullenbach were the three who voted in favor of um, a, a package of COVID precautions. And among that would have been a school would have to require masks for staff and students if its county received, or reached a certain uh, level of COVID spread amongst the community. Um, and there are four members who voted against that, so the, the proposition failed. Um, and obviously, Joy Hoffmeister has been very public that um, she was a supporter of mask mandates and that she would like to see more um, strict COVID precautions. But um, again, the governor appointed the entire board and the, the board, uh, at least the majority, seemed to fall in line with um, the governor's uh, idea that it should be a local decision as to whether masks should be required. Right. Well, so all of that it has happened. And then in another twist, just yesterday, I guess it was, Crabtree asked it to rescind her nomination, saying that she didn't think it was the right opportunity to serve her state. And, you know, what reaction did you see to this news? And, you know, maybe this is just the particular people I see on Twitter, but I see a lot, I saw a lot of celebration, honestly. Um, she was a very controversial pick. Um, and so I saw a lot of people on social media who this was a relief for them that she will not be on the state board of education. And, um, you know, to sympathize with Melissa Crabtree, she took a lot of public criticism and that would be difficult for any member of the public to take. Um, and so um, only four days later, after she was appointed to the board, she asked um, the governor to rescind her appointment. And the governor said he would respect her decision and he would seek out uh, another candidate. Um, and, you know, she she 
obviously didn't provide details for what factored into her decision, but it, it would I would be remiss not to point out that there was heavy criticism leveled at her and, and a lot of scrutiny over the things she had put on social media. Yeah, an instant statement, didn't he uh, kind of, it seemed he pointed the finger and, and pointed blame. I think the, the exact wording was at Democrats and unions for um, essentially intimidating her. You know, he he said um, he, he criticized Democrats and unions for basically not caring about the voices of teachers unless it falls in line with their political agenda. And, and the part of that that it seems to be kind of ironic is that the teachers union, the Oklahoma Education Association, uh, did not appear to be supportive of this move um, that the governor made of removing Kurt Bullenbach and putting um, a closer political ally on the State Board of Education. Um, so he he did single out um, some of the loudest voices against uh, the decision he made to remove a prior board member and to install Melissa Crabtree. Yeah, I think I saw the Education Association tweet maybe that um, they knew the governor's office had received over 1,200 emails from people who were uh, disappointed with his pick. So the, I, I also saw a lot of buzz. It, it's been, I think, the one of the top stories this week um, that p- folks have been paying attention to. And as you mentioned, Stitt is now on the hunt for another person to fill this appointee. So what kind of happens next? Where does this leave the board? Well, the governor said he wants to find another candidate as soon as possible. Um, And just again, this is uh, a seat on the board that represents Oklahoma's third congressional district. So Northwest and West Oklahoma. Um, So it has to be somebody from that area. Um, And so again, Bolenbach was from Kingfisher. Melissa Crabtree was from Enid. Um, So that narrows it down somewhat. Um, But honestly, I don't know what to expect. I didn't foresee... Kurt Bullenbach being removed, and I didn't expect the person he chose to replace him with. So um, I'm I'm not sure who it will be, um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We will. Well, I look forward to talking with you more about this in the future and and reading your stories. This uh, has been an interesting year for education, to say the least. So we really appreciate your coverage. Absolutely. Thank you. Federal coronavirus assistance programs are winding down as we get closer to the end of the year, and business editor David Dishman is here to talk with us about what that means for unemployment assistance. Dishman, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, as always. So you wrote a story this week, and you were trying to address some misinformation that has been floating around after news that the state extended benefits for unemployment are ending on Saturday. And give us an explainer. What are state extended benefits and how are they different from traditional uh, unemployment assistance that Oklahomans can qualify for? Yeah, so um, state extended benefits are applicable uh, in times of high unemployment across the state. uh, And they're paid as an extension beyond the normal traditional unemployment uh, insurance payments that that get paid out. Unemployment insurance, when 
what you typically think of. You lose your job, you go apply for unemployment. Uh, those last for 26 weeks after your job loss, about the equivalent of half a year. Um, but through COVID, there's been some ad- additional things that have have resources for those who maybe have uh, been unemployed for longer or were going to be unemployed for longer. There was a federally, through the CARES Act, the, there were some programs, um, PEUC, Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation, was a 13-week extension beyond the traditional state uh, payments. Um, so those started, those kicked in after someone uh, was unemployed for, for beyond 26 weeks. Uh, beyond that, uh, since there was such a high level of unemployment, there's the a, a state extended benefits, and those kick in um, when uh, there's enough unemployed in the state, and that provided an additional 13 weeks beyond the end of PEUC. Uh, so it's just a, a, a little extra safety net uh, for, for those in especially hard times um, like they are right now. The process for determining when this extended benefit should end seems a bit complicated, but essentially it's because more and more Oklahomans are getting back to work. Is that is that correct? Yeah, the, that is the easiest way to think of it. Um, it is not based on the statewide unemployment rate. Um, it's based on what's called the insured unemployment rate, and that compares uh, the rate of continued weekly claims Uh, with the number of covered employment jobs for the state. So in Oklahoma, there are considered to be 1.6 million uh, covered employment jobs uh, that that qualify. So when that rate drops below 5%, uh, that triggers the end to the state extended benefits. And our state dropped below 5% on November 21st. Um, so our statewide unemployment rate, which is calculated a little differently, is uh, is still above five percent. Uh, but but that's why that's why this is stopping. Okay, it's good to know that this extended the state extended benefits aren't directly related to CARES Act. That's a good distinction. And but I've got a, kind of a math question for you and listeners. If uh, you have not read this article, you should because it's very easy to read. And so if you want more information, you should check it out. But in the article, you point out that anyone qualifying for this extended benefit, anyone who would have qualified, would have had to have been unemployed before the pandemic actually caused shutdowns this spring. And it seems to me then that the benefit hasn't been in place long enough for folks who lost their jobs in direct relation to the pandemic and that they won't receive this extended assistance. Is that correct? Kind of. Um, yes. If this, if it was, if we were still in a time where our state still had significant, again, above 5% of uh, that IUR rate, um, it would continue because it's not and because we recovered quick enough for that to have the uh, to not have kicked in so to speak um the people that are currently as of today on uh state extended benefits would have had to have been unemployed for uh more than 39 weeks which would have put them back uh before you know the thunder game that never was and before the the large scale shutdowns that you could really attribute job loss to the pandemic for. 
However, if yes, we've obviously we're not out of the pandemic by any means, and there's people who lost their jobs as a result of shutdowns and have not been able to go back to work, and those folks would becoming eligible for that shortly and so that that is a loss that's a bummer um that's a that's a huge blow for folks um it does it pays less than than other these other benefits have done um so it's it's but you know how it is when you're unemployed that every little every little bit matters um and so it's a it's a it is a major bummer to have have lost that and um, the head of the Oklahoma Employment Commission, Shelly Zumwalt, she posted a video on Twitter just to directly speak to people receiving uh, unemployment assistance. And she seemed to say that the federal government notified the state rather abruptly that this was going to be ending and that this is not the kind of news she wanted to deliver right before the holidays about how many Oklahomans are going to be affected by this. That is a good question. Um, at the at the moment, and again, this is this is the number of people who were unemployed uh, and and on had started in on their benefits before those large scale shutdowns. Uh, there will probably be fewer than ten thousand people who immediately lose those, but that doesn't take into account the number of people that in coming weeks would start to jump in on that. Uh, so it will affect a lot. Um, it's just not as many right immediately. And the hope is, obviously, that uh, those others will continue to be able to go back to work. Um, I know that's that's all up in the air, uh, given given the way uh, the, the pandemic continues to, to force us into, uh, you know, shutting down and, and restrictions and things like that. And who knows what will come on that end. And that could... That could trigger that, which I believe, uh, if it if it does, and more people are eligible, that will drive that IUR back up, which I think would then kick that uh, state extended benefits back. And so, as as a follow to that, there, I mean, the good news is that this is completely separate from regular unemployment assistance. And so, if you were to have your job shut down again and lose your job again, you would be able to get unemployment assistance again. Right. You'd, I believe you would jump right back on. You'd start over. You know, you'd, you'd apply again and say that, okay, now I've lost my job. And it might be the second, third, fourth time that that's happened this year. Um, that's the unfortunate reality. But uh, I believe your your clock, your so to speak, your 26 weeks starts over on, on unemployment insurance. Um, More unemployment news came from the Oklahoma Employment Security Commission this week. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so the the state was given permission to repurpose some leftover money that it had received through the LWA, the Lost Wages Assistance Program. Um, That was provided when President Trump authorized uh, FEMA to spend up to $44 billion, I believe it was, from the Disaster Relief Fund, um, and that was designated for lost wage payments. Each state received varying amounts based on their estimates of need uh, for how many they thought were going to be eligible uh, for this money, and the state of Oklahoma received about $300 million. They paid out... uh, uh, in August and September, when this program was running, they paid out uh, about 
little over $230 million. And so they had some left over and they initially thought they were going to have to give it back. You know how it is in federal government, spend it or lose it uh, kind of thing. Well, they were given permission and it got worked out that they were able to um, they're now going to be able to take that money and for those who were initially eligible for that original program um, if they were eligible for the week after it had expired they can receive they'll be able to claim um, and receive this additional one-time $400 payment uh, and that will be distributed next week uh, I believe I hope that is helpful for people. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's some fantastic news. I mean, it's stuff that it was not foreseen, not uh, seen as something that was able to be done. Um, they had to use it in this specific way. There was some question on uh, could it have been used to uh, be dumped into the state extended benefits fund and, and use it that way. But because it was federal money, it had to be used this way. It couldn't be repurposed to a state fund. Um, so some some accounting logistics in, in that sense. But the bottom line is um, up to 120,000 Oklahomans are going to uh, uh, get a nice little bit of relief here heading into the holidays. And that'll be great as I think several programs, specifically in Oklahoma County, won't be spending all of their uh, federal coronavirus relief funding. So it's good to know that there is some flexibility for some programs. Yes. And that, you know, you mentioned the the CARES Act as it expires later this month, December 26th, uh, that will also trigger the end of um, PUA and PEUC uh, funding. Uh, so some of that initial extension and that will that will mean that there will be a lot more Oklahomans that, that uh, lose benefits that way. Um, but again, that's not something that the state has control over. That's a, a federal situation, a federal decision. Um, and so it's going to be a bummer for, for Oklahomans, but it's, it's also not something that the state has, has control over. If a second relief bill works its way through or comes out and it has uh, wage assistance programs. You know, that's not a given when we say a second relief bill. Um, it, it, that, that might be something that they look to replenish or do something similar or, you know, but who knows at this point, that's, that's still up in the air. Well, Dishman, we really appreciate you coming in and explaining what has been a really complicated and confusing unemployment process for a lot of Oklahomans. So thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, absolutely. I Like I said, I always enjoy it. So thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. You can read all these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.